Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Decatur City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Decatur City Church app where you can find access to all of our recent message content. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope you enjoy the following presentation and I hope it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning, Decatur City Church. So good to see all of you all this morning. Those of y'all that are joining us online. Here's what I love to do every Sunday. Let's just give ourselves a hand clap, man, that you guys are made it. You guys are in the building. Also, obviously, want to give a very special shout out to those of you guys who are watching online. We're so uh, excited to have you with us. If you're new here, uh, my name is Stephen Lee, and I have the pleasure to serve here uh, as the lead pastor. And uh, man, I just, I love my job and so look forward to Sundays. It's so good to see all of you all here. This is actually, I don't know if you guys knew, this is the, actually the, the first official day of fall. And, you know, the summer's over when my kids go back to school anyway, but uh, it's just a day uh, that I'm just excited, you know, for the season. So, uh, so good to see all of you guys here. Um, we are uh, just in a kind of week two of a very short series that we've entitled Made for More, and it's all about how God uses you uh, to make a difference in the lives of other people, and I'm really, really excited to, uh, to jump into week two uh, of this series. We talked a little bit about last week uh, about uh, regardless of kind of your age, stage of life, your history, your religious background, here's uh, really kind of the, the thesis of what we talked a little bit about last week is that we just believe that every person uh, has uh, been created and shaped to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so it means that you're not an accident. And when we think a little bit about the title um, of this particular series, Made for More, it just it really is just to kind of point to that particular idea uh, that you, uh, in light of the circumstances that you find yourself in, in light of uh, kind of the, the neighborhood that you live in, the job that you have, whether you're new to the Atlanta area or you've been here uh, for a long time, uh, we just don't believe that you're here by accident and God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Uh, uh, one of the kind of premises that we talked a little bit about last week is uh, what's so exciting about realizing that you've been created and shaped to make a difference is that we have this amazing opportunity to partner with God uh, to do what God could do in and of himself. Like God is, is um, autonomous. God is powerful. And so the, the impact that he desires to make in culture, he could absolutely do by himself. Uh, but God is so gracious and kind. And here's what he uh, does to us. Like he invites us to partner with him to accomplish what he could uh, do on his own. And that's, that's really uh, exciting news. And when I often kind of think a little bit about partnership, partnership often reminds me in my life of there's, there's been a number of kind of organizations and accomplishments that I've had in my life. I mean, you know, whether you just kind of look at, you know, graduating high school or your master's degree, your doctorate degree, or uh, being able to make, you know, if you're a high school student or perhaps anybody in here played sports back in the day like you, there, there were things that you had to do to work to be on the team. There were things that you had to do. Um, and we're just familiar when we think a little bit about life is that life is often, uh, life is often the sum of what you have to achieve, uh, so we just kind of understand that. Here is kind of the uniqueness of Jesus' invitation, his invitation to make a difference in the life of other people. It's not based on what you and I do. It's based on what, what God has done. And so here's uh, one of the things I was thinking a little bit about this week is the, the most 
kind of challenging organization or group that I've ever had to work to be a part of. Uh, some of you guys might be thinking, man, it's educational or perhaps it's athletic. It's absolutely, it's actually not either one of those. The most challenging group that I've ever had to work to be a part of was the group that I get to wear glasses in elementary school. Like that was the most, like that was the most challenged group that I ever had to work to be a part of because here's the challenge that I have. And I was kind of thinking back to uh, 30 years ago, the challenge that I had when I wanted to be a part of that group, because that was the group where I just felt like they had all the privileges. I felt like people looked at people with glasses. This is back before personality glasses existed. And, and people looked at folks that had glasses like they got all the privileges. People looked at them like they were smart, like all the girls thought that, you know, the guys with glasses were handsome. I absolutely wanted to be a part of this, that group. Here's the challenge that I had. Again, I had 20-20 vision. And so I remember, I mean, being in middle school, and I kind of developed a plan uh, to be able uh, to join that group. And so I had to, had to work to do it. And so I remember, like it was yesterday, I don't know if they still do this in elementary school, but I remember there was an eye examiner that came, came to school. And you know, sometimes back in the day, you would have a chart like this. Anybody kind of remember this chart? Where at the top of the chart is 2400, the bottom of the chart, I mean, you've got kind of Superman vision where it's like 2010. And I remember like going in the examiner's room when I was in sixth grade, and I remember that chart was about, was about six feet from me. And again, remember, I wanted to be a part of this very special group uh, of kids that wore glasses. And I remember the examiner kind of asking me, uh, could I see what was on the board? And y'all remember back in the day, you also had to have this, right? You kind of had this spoon where you had to put it over one eye and you would have to kind of test what your vision was like. And I remember going through this entire process. I mean, that, this card is about six feet away. And the examiner kind of asking me the question, like, Stephen, can you see the top letter? The top, you know, the top letter is, tw- is 2200. And I remember as I was kind of looking out, uh, I, every question that she asked me, I said, I can't see it. Can't see it. I mean, I went through every letter. I went from, you know, two, uh, 20 over 200, 20 over 100. I just said I couldn't see it. So I went through the first line and I said I couldn't see it. I got down to 2020. 20. I said, you know, it's just really, it's really blurry. I just, I can't, I can't make it out. Uh, and, and here's what happened. It was kind of funny. Here's what happened after that whole exchange. I remember the examiner ended up, after my examination, I flunked it intentionally because I wanted to be a part of this group. I remember the examiner called my parents. And the examiner said to my parents, here's what the examiner said to my parents, uh, after conducting Stephen's examination, here's what I want to let you know, your son is legally blind. <laughs> your son is legally blind. And I, I feel like my, my parents kind of knew what I was trying to do. Like, I wanted to be a part of that group. I was willing to fail it on purpose. And, and, but but it, to me, it also kind of references for me uh, what is often the feeling that we feel in life, is that so often in life, like we, we work really hard to be a part of that group because when we're a part of that group, that group often kind of connects with what we believe kind of helps us to live out our identity and our purpose. That's one of the things that we, we all struggle with. And here's what I love about the invitation of Jesus is that Jesus invites us to be a part of his group, his family. But again, what's kind of unique about being a part of his family is that being a part of his family has nothing to do with what you do. Like you, you can't work to achieve it. You, 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 can't, you can't kind of finagle your way in. The only way to be a part of his family and to be a part of his group, which is making an impact, 
is, is to trust him. And it's really kind of in that uh, theme that I want to continue to kind of push forward in our series uh, this morning. It is, so it, it, is, it is from that identity, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, it's from that identity that we've been called to make a difference. And in fact, in the scripture that we're going to look at today uh, in Matthew, the fifth chapter, here's what Jesus really desires to do for those who have chosen to follow him, those who have chosen to kind of orient their lives around uh, his mission. Like he unpacks the identity that he has given all of us. So wherever you are and, what, and whatever you do, God has a purpose for you. And so we're going to start in Matthew, the fifth chapter uh, this morning. Uh, in verse 1, and then just after I read verse 1, we're going to skip down to, to verse uh, 13. If you're new to church, uh, here's what I want you to know about Matthew. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, they were early disciples who walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry, and so they recorded like all the things that Jesus said and did. And so Matthew was one of Jesus' early disciples. So here's what he records in Matthew, the fifth chapter, in verse 1. It says, on that day, one day, he, he saw the crowds gathering. Again, kind of speaking of Jesus. So again, there are these large crowds that are following Jesus. This is before Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. And, and so when the word of kind of Jesus' ministry begins to spread, like crowds begin to gather because they're, they're hearing of his teaching. They're seeing that he's healing people of various diseases. And he says, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. And so when you look at Matthew, the fifth chapter, it begins this discourse that commentators also communicate is called the Sermon on the Mount. It is the most expansive kind of section in scripture where Jesus began to kind of communicate uh, what it looks like to follow him. It says his disciples, his disciples gathered around him and began and he began to teach them. So the disciples here in context, like you've got the crowd and then you have the disciples. Here's what Jesus does. He, he uh, kind of pulls away from the crowd and he begins to kind of hone in on communicating to his disciples what it looks like to follow him in the culture in which they've been sent. He, he speaks to those who have chosen to orient their lives around him as king. And there are a number of us here this morning, those of you who are watching online, like, like we've made the same decision. So as Jesus uh, begins to unpack for his disciples uh, his mission, like their, the, his plan for their life. Here's, here's one of the kind of principal kind of themes of this next section of scripture. Uh, let me summarize it for you this morning. Here's, here's kind of the whole sermon in a, in, a, in a nutshell, is that God uses ordinary people for an extraordinary mission. That, that God desires to use ordinary people for an extraordinary mission. And again, that message is true for us even here this morning, that that God's desire in your life is to use you and to engage you in his mission. You have been created to help inspire people to follow Jesus. In the midst of your story, wherever you are, in your apartment complex, in your neighborhood, in your family, that's the reason that God has created you. And in verse 13, here's what Jesus begins to do as he kind of continues to unpack uh, what he, he, as he continues to unpack the influence that he desires that his followers would have on culture. uh, He uses this metaphor of salt to teach the disciples what, what he wants them to be in the world. 
And as we look at verse 13, here's what Jesus says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. He says, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So, so the disciples, they've, they've not worked to receive this identity. This is an identity that they have received on the basis of trusting in Christ and based on, based on the basis of, of seeking to orient their life around his kingship. And he looks out at a group of disciples. They've been separated from the crowd. And here's what he says. He says that you are salt. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to fail an eye examination like I did to wear glasses. He's like, he's like that's who you are. That's your identity. And what's so important for us this morning, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, if, the, if that is our identity, then here's what Jesus invites us to do is to understand how we should live that identity to make a tangible difference where we live, work, and play. So here's what I want to do for the next couple of moments. I want to uh, kind of look at the question, why salt? Why salt? I believe there are a number of things that we can learn about our purpose and the assignment that God has for our life from looking at the use of salt. So here, here's, here's number one is, is salt is a seasoning. Somebody say seasoning. Salt is a seasoning. Salt's a seasoning. Here's what I love again. Look at the definition of salt. Salt is a universal flavor improver and amplifies taste. Here's what salt does. Salt brings out the very best of whatever it comes in contact with. That's what salt does. And I know uh, in here, I know we're in the South, so I, I know there's some people that know a little bit about how to make a good steak, right? Or, or, some, or some good meat or to have a, a good barbecue. And, and whenever you're kind of getting ready to be, you know, to, to cook your favorite meat. I know perhaps we've got some vegetarians or vegans here, you know, so maybe your flavor, you know, flavor your, some celery or something like that. I mean, you just, like, whatever vegetarians do, we love you in Jesus' name. But, what, like, like, whatever you do, like, like there, there's often some seasoning that's a part of that process. And, and for me, again, I'm a Northeast guy. My favorite seasoned salt is Old Bay. That's my favorite. I just love Obey. Uh, I, I can't get enough of it. I mean, I put Obey on my fries. I put Obey on meat. I put Obey on my baked potato. Like, I, I can't get enough of Obey. And because here's what I realized. Like, when I put Obey, like, Obey just has this ability that whatever I'm consuming, I just feel like, man, the, the flavor is amplified. Flavor is amplified. Uh, I'm benefiting from consuming that amazing baked potato because it's got some Old Bay seasoning on it. And in the same way, here's what you need to know this morning, is that God has placed you where he's placed you so that you can make an impact. When you think about your life, where you are, your age and stage, uh, you're, you're the team that you're on. If you're a high school student, the neighborhood that you live in, here's what I don't you want you to perhaps consider. Like I want you to consider today is that you are where you are to have a positive impact on the lives of those that you are connected with. Uh, God wants to use you to bring out the very best in people. 
Like God wants you to be the most optimistic person uh, at your job. Like God wants you to see things in people that they don't see in themselves. God wants to use you and your network of relationships to help make it better. He's placed you where he's placed you to see gifts and abilities in other people that they don't see in themselves. Essentially, to help people that you are in relationship with to be the best version of themselves. And I know what perhaps some of you all are thinking, but Steve, man, like, like where I'm at, my neighborhood, my job, my family, like it's really complicated. Like they don't even realize that they need salt. Like they, they, they don't even, they're not, they're not appreciative that I'm there. They're not appreciative of my desire to follow Jesus. Like I, I feel like I'm wearing them out. And here's what I want to encourage you today is that your motivation for being who God has called for you to be is that at some point in your life, someone was salty to you and allowed you to come to the knowledge of who Jesus is. I want to acknowledge with you that people are messy and what should be our motivation for living these distinctive lives is that if we have a relationship with Jesus, here's what, here's what I believe that God desires to do in all of our circumstances, that he wants to use you. He wants to expand your capacity to love folks that are unlovable, even when they don't realize that they need the salt that you provide. It says that salt is a seasoning. It's meant to bring out the best. Here's here's number two. Here's the second use of salt is that salt is also a preservative. Somebody say preservative. Salt is a preservative. Here's what salt uh, in the time in which Jesus lived and ministered, like uh, there, there um, there wasn't refrigeration. I mean, there wasn't refrigeration. And so if you had something that was really valuable, here's what you would do. Like you would take what was really, really valuable and you would, you would pack it in salt. I mean, that was what you would do. So you would pack it in salt. And salt just has this amazing kind of chemical quality that, that salt, it, uh, it removes the water. It kind of removes the water from wherever it touches, and it extends the life of whatever it comes in contact with. So salt ends up kind of functioning as a, as a preservative. Uh, here's how I often kind of think a little bit about this, and even in my own life, is that my, my kids, my kids, they, they love sugar. I mean, just... They just love sugar, candy, I mean, any, you know, all the things that, that make dentist appointments really, really expensive. Like, they just love that. And, and I just, again, grew up in a family, uh, you know, shout out to my dad. Like, he was just one of those people that, you know, I remember growing up, and I just always had these consistent reminders. Hey, brush your teeth before you go to school, you know, before you go to sleep. Because I just didn't want to be one of those people that went to the dentist's office, and I, you know, it was you know, cavities. And, and what you think about when you're older, it's not the cavities. It's the what? It's the cost of the cavities. Like that, that's what you think about when you're older. So here's what I hope to do in the lives of my kids. I hope uh, in the life of my kids to, to help preserve their teeth. Like I hope to, to help them uh, to, to influence them as best as I can to make certain decisions uh, that help to preserve the life of their teeth, and it's for their benefit, but honestly, it's also for my benefit, so I can save a little bit of money. And so my instruction to them is meant to preserve what is valuable. Here's what you all need to know uh, this morning about where you are, uh, where you live, work, and play. Uh, For those of you all that are followers of Jesus, is that God has placed you where he's placed you 
to preserve value. When I begin to think a little bit about my life, I am so thankful uh, that God placed some men and women in my life uh, that he was using and leveraging their story, their gifts, their passions, their mistakes. He was, he was, he was leveraging uh, their story to help preserve value. Like they became people in my life. They became people in my life that God used to communicate his truth to me. That they, they were men and women uh, that they didn't have everything figured out but they kind of got a glimpse that, you know what? The reason that I'm in a relationship with high school Stephen, I'm so glad that social media didn't exist when I was in high school. Like, but that God used them to help preserve what was valuable. And, and so often when you think about your life, again, we talked about kind of last week that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And, and here's what those folks did in my life. Like as I was kind of navigating the circumstances of my life and parents and, and aunties and uncles and nanas and pop-ups, like you have the exact same responsibility to those that you've been placed in relationship with is that God wants to use you to communicate his truth to someone you're in a relationship with. God wants to use you to help preserve value, to help point people in the right direction. And and here's what he often does is he does that in the context of relationship. But but for you to be a person that he uses to preserve value, you've got to be, somebody say, prepared. You got to be prepared, right? You've got to be prepared. And one of the primary ways that God prepares us to be people of value, to be able to communicate truth, is that we spend time with Jesus, observing his life and his example. We spend time in his word, and, and we, we connect with God's people. So what you're doing here this morning, don't feel like this sermon is just for you. This sermon, this talk, this message, this dynamic message, amen, God wants to use you. He wants to fill you up because there are people that you're connected with that need to hear that God loves them. There are people that need to hear that God has a plan for their life. There are people that need to hear that Jesus has provided a way for them to be in right relationship with him. You are not where you are by accident. Y'all are taking notes this morning. Here's just a couple of scriptures I want to commit uh, to your memory. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Psalm 119.11, David says that I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee, thee or thy, this King James Version. Uh, 1 Peter 3.15 We should always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have in us. Here's what God desires to do in your life is is to use you to preserve value in the lives of those that you are connected to. Your life is not an accident. Your story is not an accident. Your trials are not an accident. The creator of heaven and earth desires to leverage your story, even your mess ups, your failures, the things that you uh, regret. He wants to use all of those things to help point his people, the people that he values, to a life-giving relationship with him. 
Here's the third use of salt. It says the salt is also a purifier. Somebody say purifier. It's salt. And this, one of the things I love about this is I was kind of working on this message. Like this, this particular use of salt is, is one that I can really identify with. Like I've never packed a, a steak in salt. I mean, I just, that's just from the context. But, but here's what I love about this particular, this particular use of salt is that salt is, salt is also used to help prevent a bad water supply. Uh, when I was growing up, and this would be a little bit perhaps surprising to you, I grew up in kind of the Washington, D.C. area, but where I grew up, uh, we, uh, we were really, really blessed, really, really fortunate to, uh, we had well water. Anybody have well water in here? Well water, okay, we got some well water for you. Well, what's the huge benefit of well water is that what? You don't have to pay for it. Come on, y'all, it's free. So like, I grew up, I see your hands like high five, like, I mean, that's the huge benefit of well water is you don't pay for it. But here's the thing that you had to do with well water, especially, I mean, I just kind of remember where, where I grew up, is that you had to kind of put, you know, a certain type of salt in a filtration system so that the salt, so that the salt would remove the impurity so that the water was drinkable. Like, that was just something that my parents, uh, I, I should have been doing it in high school, but my, my dad did it. I mean, that was just something that you had to do. So here's what I want you to understand about this particular use of salt is that the assignment of salt is accomplished when the impurities are removed so that you can consume it. Here's what I want you to understand. Here, here is why you are here. Here's why you are where you are in your age and stage of life, where God has placed you, is that you are here to pursue the mission. You're here to pursue the mission. We've talked a little bit about this morning that you have an assignment. Here's the assignment that God has placed for you. For those of you all that are followers of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what we want you to know this morning. This this is what our life should look like. (laughs) So so this this is kind of the goal is, is that your mission, the mission that God has given you is Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20, is that we would make disciples who make disciples. Perhaps I might feel a little bit intimidating this morning, but don't, but don't allow that to intimidate you. Remember, for anybody to come to Jesus, for anybody to place their faith in Jesus as the Savior and the Son of God, like that's not something that you can do. But here's what you can help people do. You can help people to take their next step. You, you can help people um, to, to move forward uh, in their spiritual journey. Here, here's the primary mission in your life primary mission in your life, and whether you're a follower of Jesus in here or you're not, here, here's, again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, like, I, I just want to communicate, here, here's what I believe scripturally that God teaches the, the primary reason of your life. If you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to know this is what I believe that God is teaching about the primary mission of life, that you have the primary mission, the primary reason that you exist is to give God glory, is to give God glory. And I know that feels probably like, like kind of a King James uh, version when you think about that word glory. Here's all glory means. I want you guys to think about this a little bit uh, this week. Glory just means fame. It means fame. We live in a Western society, and so we understand what fame is. Fame just means like when you think about somebody that's famous, the reason that they're famous is for something that they do that other people uh, acknowledge, their greatness. And in every person in this particular room, uh, and those of you guys are watching online, like there's something that you do really, really well, something that you do really, really well that other people look at you and here's what they say, man, that's so awesome how so-and-so does this. It's so awesome how you do this. Like it's so awesome how you cook. It's so awesome that you have the gift of hospitality. Like it's so awesome how you remember things. It's so awesome how encouraging you are. And so here's what you got to know when we think about what it means to pursue the mission is that God wants to use your life, the things that make you famous, 
things that make you famous. He wants to use those things to point people to him. So he's created you with gifts and passions and an assignment. And so often in our lives, here's what, here's unfortunately the culture that we live in is that when something's great about us, typically we want the spotlight to stay on us. The reason that you've been created, single mom who's fantastic navigating your kids, a dad who is coaching a couple of soccer teams and, and uh, you know, a college student, you kind of navigating uh, a new city like like he he's created you so that what's awesome about you, he can leverage to give somebody else an idea of who God is. Our life, our work, our accomplishments are designed to point to the grace and the mercy and the kindness of the God who is working behind the scenes to put you on display. But the reason that he's put you on display is so that you can point to the one who's actually behind the scenes working uh, things together for your good. So here's the question we ask. Again, I promise I'm not going to be with you guys long uh, this morning. Here's the question we ask. Like, how, how do we live this out? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share with you really briefly kind of five steps that you can take to be salty in somebody's life, uh, to, to live out the influence that, that God has given you. And uh, here, here's number one. Actually, we're going we're gonna to use this acronym called BLESS, B-L-E-S-S, the acronym BLESS. So again, I want to share with you five, five ways or five steps that you can take this week, this month, this year uh, to, to leverage the influence that God has given you for the blessing of others. Here, here's, here's this acronym. Again, it starts with BLESS. Here, here's, here's number one. The first thing that you can do is, the, is just this B, is to begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. I, I don't care uh, any per, you know, any person's religious background, their age or their stage of life, whether they're familiar with church or whether, whether they're not, every person that you're connected with uh, would love the invitation for you to pray for them. There's something that's going on in their life. There's something at some point in somebody's life, they're going to encounter a situation or circumstance that is, is bigger than their ability to solve it. And so God gives us this amazing opportunity to begin with prayer. How can you be salty in somebody's life is, man, this week, as you're in connection with, with folks that God's given you influence with, that you would begin with prayer. Here, here's, here's, here's number L. This, this is one that I struggle with. Uh, somebody say, listen. On the count of three, everybody struggles with this. On the count of three, let's say, listen, one, two, three, listen. So how can you be salty in somebody's life? I want to encourage you this week, this month, this year to listen with care to the people that God has put in your life. Here's so often the challenge, and I feel like this is a challenge perhaps sometimes the longer that you've been in church or connected with, with Christianity, the longer that you've been in church is that we often are answering questions that people have not asked us. <laughs> like we're answering questions, and so somebody comes to you with an issue or crisis they're going through, and, and here's what I found out. Even sometimes in my counseling session, sometimes people will meet with me, and I just, I just give them space to talk for 30, 45 minutes. And here's what's so after. I'm just kind of give you guys a little bit of a key. So after that 30 or 45 minutes, uh, I, just, I just try to listen, answer kind of questions and to kind of pull things out of them. And usually at the end of that 30 or 45 minute conversation, uh, something, perhaps sometimes the Holy Spirit will say something to them and uh, we'll end the session. And I haven't said anything. And I've just provided a space to listen for what 
uh, their experience. And I believe that, again, where God has placed you, there's some folks in your life that you just need to listen to. Don't, don't feel the pressure to solve everybody's issue. Again, that's the important thing, I think, starting with the B and beginning with prayer. Here, here's, here's the E, and this is something that we do really, really well uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, Decatur. Somebody say, eat together. Eat together. Eat. Eat. That should be the easiest one for everybody in here is, is eat, eat, with, eat, eat with somebody. When you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, here's one of the things that he did. Regardless of where he was, his, you know, what he was doing, like he took time to eat with people, uh, to be able to cultivate relationships where people understood, especially in the life of Jesus, that, that they were not a project. To, to, uh, they were not a project to Jesus. So I want to encourage you, as you're thinking about what it looks like to be salty, uh, what it looks like to leverage the influence that God's given you for the blessing of other people, I want to encourage you, uh, man, schedule some coffees, schedule some lunches, and, and uh, demonstrate to the people in your life uh, that I'm here to help build relational equity with you. And here's just something I wrote down in my notes. Is that I don't have to agree with everything in your life to have fellowship with you, right? I have to agree with everything, but, but Jesus didn't. Like Jesus hung out with people that other folks said he shouldn't ha- hang out with, but it was to, it was to acknowledge their humanity uh, more so uh, than often we can become so um, polarized that uh, we can't even do something like that. Here, and here's, uh, so the E is eat together. Here, here's, here's number, here's uh, S. S is to serve a need. Uh, find a need that somebody has that you're in relationship with. And here's what I believe that God wants to do. I want, believe that God wants to use you to meet a tangible need in the life of somebody else. It's such a simple way to demonstrate the love of Jesus to someone that you're connected with. Here's uh, the final S. Is the final S is to share your story. I believe that in the context of relationship, and this is just, I think, after working these steps, beginning with prayer, listening, eating together, serving a need, I believe that at some point in your relationship with other people, uh, that you're going to have an opportunity to share what God has done in your life in the past, what God is doing presently, and, and also what you're looking forward to, to, to share your story of something that you know in your life, this is a result of something that only God could have done in, my, in your life. And I've got so many stories that when God gives me an opportunity, I'm not arguing with people over the Bible, over its inerrancy, and all the things that I believe that are true about the Scripture. Here's what I do, because here's what somebody cannot argue with. People cannot argue with your story. So I want us to become people of, 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 of story, what God has done in your life, the doors that he opened, the ways in which God has changed you. Um, and so wherever you find yourself and wherever you are and whatever you're doing, here's what I want you to understand is that God desires to use you. Somebody say, somebody say me. Put your hand on your chest. Say me. God desires to use me for his extraordinary purpose. God desires to use me. So in a moment, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray uh, for two folks in this room. First group of folks that I'm going to pray for uh, is that you, uh, based on what we talked about today, like you recognize that you're salt. You recognize that where God has placed you, uh, the identity that you have is because of him. It's not something that you work for. It's something that you received based on the righteousness and the grace and the mercy of of Christ. So I want to pray for you this morning that where you are, that you would make an impact. That where you are, that you would preserve value. That where you are, you would pursue the mission that God has for you. Now, I also pray for a second group of folks. Perhaps you're in here and you've never made the decision uh, to say, you know, Jesus... I believe 
that you love me, that you died in my place, that you rose again. And I want to commit my life to you because I realize that I've been living out of my own identity. And I've never received the identity that you desire to give me by faith. And so I'm going to pray for those uh, two folks uh, this morning. And uh, I just believe that God's going to do some amazing things uh, this week, this month, and this year. I'm going to invite you guys wherever you are. Let's pray uh, together. Our God and our Father, we love you so much. And I'm so thankful in the midst of all the things that we have going on in life, Lord, that you have given us an identity that is not based on our work. It's not based on all the things that we can achieve or all the things that we can kind of put together. And so I'm praying for folks, Christians, praying for people that have chosen to orient their life around who Jesus is and what he's done. Lord, that you would allow them to make an impact where they are. Lord, that you would allow them to preserve value with those that they're connected to. Lord, that you would, that you would empower and, and strengthen them uh, to pursue the mission that you have before them. And to those that are under the sound of my voice, perhaps to, today is a day in which you choose for the first time to say, you know, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe uh, that you gave your life for me. And so just in the quietness of your own heart, if that's where you are, I just want you to say this, just this prayer to Jesus, just confidence. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Today, I want you to be my savior. If you've prayed that prayer, even at this moment, at this point, I know it doesn't feel like it often at times, but like, but you are a new creation And what God desires to do in your life is to use you to be salty. And so, Lord, we just thank you for what you've done in the past, and we look forward to what you'll do in the future. We love you so much, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.